0: Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast-creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson.
1: Can you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family?
2: My name is Mylene Stokes-Kennedy. And I am Lindsay Stokes-Kennedy. And we've been married for seven years. Um, we have two babies together and also a teenager from a previous relationship of mine who is about to be 14, headed off to high school and don't know what to do with myself.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we live in California. I don't yes. know how much you want We to know. are in Southern California. Yeah. Uh
2: close to the beach. I'm a I'm a beach
1: girl. We're both mm. born and raised in Cali. Yes, we're California girls. <laughs> through, through and through. <laughs> Sunshine and through. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah we got her boy moms awesome three boys.
0: my maiden name is Stokes so I don't know Mm -hmm. if we family but we can pretend to be if we're not girl
2: we sure can I
0: don't know too many Stokes uh, you You know so hi fam (laughs) (laughs) cousins cousins (laughs) cousins So let's let's jump into it. Can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy?
1: I was pregnant with um, Lennox in 2019, right? Yes. Is that accurate? Yes. Um, my pregnancy was, uh, for the most part, amazing. I, I don't think I had too many um, outlandish, you know, or, or there was no uh, big surprises or anything like that. I think more than anything, I was just surprised to be pregnant, right? So we uh, put a lot of effort into getting pregnant. to quite some time um just being obviously a same-sex family and uh figuring out the ways to get pregnant was already a, a kind of a journey for us and then realizing how expensive those are and then reeling back and kind of seeing what we could do on our own so we had um lennox um naturally with a known donor um like you know turkey baster method so that. really old school and I think a lot of people are like investing a lot of ways with IUF and IUI but thankfully for us and really like we're really grateful that we were able to get pregnant cousin and um uh, my pregnancy was amazing I think what what started to shift for us uh, during Lennox's pregnancy was towards the end of my pregnancy um I was getting you know like Itchy hands and feet—the name of it—but it, it turned out that the the result of my itchy hands and feet was could be re, uh, related to my liver and, and the baby's liver and the baby's liver. And after doing some testing, they thought it would be best that I was induced at thirty seven weeks, mm-hmm. which felt early for me. Even though you know doctors feel like that's fully cooked baby, I think my goal was to get as close to you know full well done as possible. um And so, after a little bit of advocating, we didn't have a doctor with very much uh, bedside manner when I went in at the time. But after a little bit, we were allowed to schedule our induction and like kind of push it out, plan for it. Um, And then I labored for two almost two days, I think. Um, Technically active labor, but I, you know, it was a really interesting kind of scenario in the hospital with him. And then he came at two, three o'clock on October 22nd. So it was great. I had preeclampsia after. So following my delivery, uh, I stayed a little bit longer because uh, just to watch blood pressure. But overall, my pregnancy was listening. I was really grateful for a kind of smooth pregnancy with a beautiful, healthy baby. So
2: with Linux, as she had stated, it took a long time to get pregnant. It took almost two years from when we first started. Um, we started in April of 2017. We got pregnant the first time. Um, ended up being a ectopic, wow. e- no, not ectopic. That's Pregnancy? On the,
1: yeah. The empty sack? Yeah. Is that uh, not ectopic? Or is that when the- That's when it's like on a the, something else. Okay, uh, so no. <laughs> it's something that, Y'all, I'm why? not the person with the names, and we probably should have written the list of words of googles. Googleable- <laughs> There, okay, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Really a little harder. I should take my medical history a little, a little <laughs> more serious. You know, considering the, the medical industry does not. Right. I probably need I <laughs> your little notebook. Right, right. You just bring it. Yeah. Right. Like Put some dates in
2: it. <laughs> I I do have notes in my notes in my phone. I do have the notes. Um, but yeah, but yeah. So it was. Right, all the pregnancy symptoms, everything. We finally go into our first ultrasound and see that the sack is empty. So it was like, wait, what? Yeah, pretty devastating. Devastating. Still had to go through the whole process of a miscarriage. And we had like waited a few months after that to like start trying again because physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, everything. We was like, that was, yeah, that was a gut shot. So, yeah, um, yeah it, it took a couple years, a few. Uh, different known donors and stuff till we were finally able to get it right have the perfect equation yes the perfect equation and so they actually have the same known donor um which is you know also awesome um that worked out once we have that known donor the second attempt she got pregnant and then a year later once I did it I also got pregnant on the second attempt so um that was great <laughs>
1: yeah, much smoother transition from yeah we were doing the years
2: prior yeah it, it had been a lot it was a long journey um mainly because of her pcos there was so many things that we just weren't aware of um that the pcos was affecting um so it wasn't until we went to a fertility specialist to find out that once she had that and to to find out that our insemination process had to be a little bit more um aggressive yeah so we were only doing one insemination a cycle and it ended up, we needed to do like three. So yeah. we did it on like the day before the high peak, the day of high peak and a couple days after. Once we got that down, then it was just like, we're pregnant. Yay, for real. And yeah. then the next <laughs> yeah. I was going to say,
0: you know, like, um, I, we appreciate you kind of explaining your process because I think for many people, when we're deciding to have children, there's not enough information about how expensive it can be. And then taking away costs, um, how to get support in that and who you can go to support you to make sure that you get the right information on how to do it. Right. Um, Because yeah, not everybody has access to midwives who can support them at home with insemination. So then you're having to find the research and do your own research about, okay, if I have to, like you said, figuring out the right equation, um, and that information is just not well written about, um, accessible
1: enough, um, which is unfair. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, it, it and, is. and to clarify, we inseminated on our own. So we literally mm-hmm. what drives to our donor was at the peak of, you know, mm-hmm. me being a yeah, Um, like literally time it up, really schedule it so that you know peak time. Really tracking and doing all of the details, um, getting there, inseminating, laying on your back, right, keeping your legs up, right. All of the things that are Googleable.
2: Even though the fertility specialist let us know that she was that's like, not necessary.
1: She literally looked at <laughs> us like, if if women needed to do all that to get pregnant, there'd be a lot less babies. Like she was like, think about what you're saying. You know what I mean? And I was like, you're not wrong. You get into this state of like panic where you're like trying and trying and trying and trying. And you're like, I just need to do everything. Am I doing all the things? Am I being to the point where you're being almost ridiculous? Mm -hmm. Not saying that those things maybe don't help in the, you know, (laughs) a percentage of the way. Right. But, you know they encourage you to have an orgasm at the peak when you're when you're inseminating all of these things and the doctor was like listen to you. a woman a lot of women have never had an orgasm you know so if that was needed to be able to have a baby she was like she was yeah. looking at us like you guys are i feel what you're going for but it's just not real you know like but but being able to even find a doctor who spoke my language though right yeah. who was able to even say that to me who was able to like look at us and like let me be myself and come to them and be like this is what we could do this is what this is what the internet is saying I, I was in there with my fraternity doctor like some of these websites are telling you to keep the semen in you for days and time some of them are she's like people are gonna get sick like she's like that's just not real you know <laughs> but you don't have access to information you don't have it's not easily accessible on how to do this in a way that is affordable there's hardly information about how to do it in the expensive way so there's really not a lot of information on how to make sure that you can um you know have this really easy track and i think that we're lucky as millennials that like the internet wasn't been at our time and like by us right and we've started to blogging and like so we've been able to find all of these avenues for help because there are other people like us but not because these big you know what i mean corporations are giving us the information that we need to yeah, making it easy and accessible sharing. It's why my you know, is, I hate to say influencing, but like creating content now, right? Or being on the internet and, and sharing our story now because it was so hard to find. And it doesn't, the buck doesn't really stop there. You know, us same-sex, you know, family down to like adopting our own kids. And like all, they don't tell you how, they don't tell you how much, they don't tell you where. There's no easy step, you know? There's nothing that makes it easy for you to create the life that you want. Partially because mm-hmm. it's new, partially because I'm sure there's bias. But like- it, it just is not accessible to us. And so it's funny that you say that because I think that you get a lot of misinformation too when you are seeking and seeking and like in the world trying to find the best ways to do the things for yourself. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really grateful that it worked out for us and that we can now be a source of knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. a source of, and it's for people, other people. And as you went uh, through this entire intense really um, journey of just becoming pregnant, were you able to experience the joys of the pregnancy and really like what other ways did you prepare for the actual labor and all those things coming up? I'd say yes. Um, this is probably a better question for my Lynn. I work a lot. So my pregnancy was, I, I didn't really stop, you know, like I got pregnant and then I was still kind of moving in the ways that I normally move, which I think is, is just true to me. Um, so I did a little bit of nesting, you know, I did a little bit but more more than anything I was working but I, I do think that I found those joys. I found um all of the ways that my body was changing to support a life, all of the ways that um you know, that I was just naturally preparing to become a mother that was completely natural and inside of me and and you know, organic to to who I am. Um but I say that it's interesting or more more probably a better question for Mylan because she prepared for a home birth. So I had, because I had to be induced, I I went in, you know, they broke my bag, I had an epidural, you know, like I did the things, um, and and, you know, I did it in my way, you know, I still Mm -hmm. felt really, I did, you know, I felt really comfortable with how my pregnancy went, how my delivery went, how my team was, you know, and I felt like I still had a lot of time, you know, I was really in control. But my Lynn really took that shit to a whole nother level with this home birth. I mean, the preparation it took and the intent And, like, the amount of time that she really invested in, like, training her body and her mind to prepare for that, I think is a different joy than, you know, me just being able to get to my second trimester and, like, stop vomiting. You know, because that was really the goal. when I was pregnant. It was like, if I could just get here, week 12 changes. You know, I was like, if I could just get there, I'm going to be fine. So that was my focus. That's where I found joy, and I was like, okay, now I can go back to work, right? Or (laughs) something else other than french fries. Yeah, (laughs) that's all I was eating was french fries, so I could hold down. I mean, raspberry iced tea, you know? But then for my Lynn, though, really watching her prepare, I mean, was like night and day.
2: Yeah, we didn't do like even like pregnancy or childbirth classes with, um, during her pregnancy or anything like that. I had a hospital birth with my first, um, which I had right out of college. She had a hospital birth. So now it's 13 years later, right, of my last pregnancy, which I feel like it's a first-time pregnancy, right? Oh, I'm right. a whole new woman. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, you know, being the non-gestational mother um, of Lennox, it was very interesting, right, to that pregnancy journey um, as well. So I was like, okay, I'm ready to get pregnant. And it was like made that decision three months later I got pregnant and um, I knew I wanted a home birth. I knew I wanted an all black female uh, birthing team. And that's what I got. Um, Being in Southern California looking for a black midwife is very difficult. Um, The three, the two, right. That I initially interviewed with are in LA about 45 minutes from me no traffic, so I was just like, me getting, you know, going into labor, and then having to drive LA traffic, like, it just didn't work, those midwives were amazing, but I was like, I need somebody closer, found somebody in Inland Empire, which is, like, east of me, east of me 40 minutes as well, so I'm just like, please let me find a black midwife next time. I put out in the universe, my doula um, found my midwife for me. And through my midwife, who she's in Long Beach, just about 15 minutes from me. So that was great. And everything was home visit. She doesn't have a center. So everything was here, done at home. Um, Through my midwife, I found uh, the Victoria Project. uh, What were they called? The Sugar Hill Gang. Okay. So my midwife was connected with a group um, an organization that helps provide holistic services, um, birthing medical services to black, brown, indigenous women in Southern California. Midwives cost six to $7,000. Basically all the midwives out here. Okay. Um, and I was able to get that covered through the Victoria Project. I did not have to pay out-of-pocket for any of my care except for my deposit to my midwife. Um, through this organization, I received chiropractic care. I received um, pelvic floor therapy. Wanted to do hypnobirthing, they covered that. They covered my. They covered all my child classes. They covered everything. And it was an extreme blessing because I would not have been able to have the birth that I wanted because my insurance doesn't cover it. It's just too much. And I truly wish that this was more accessible for our community because to be able to birth, to be able to have the care prenatal and postpartum, it was a night and day experience, right? Between my first experience and my first pregnancy and this one. Um, Hypnobirthing, shout out to the Sankofa Mama, was the best decision I could have ever made. Um, and that really helped me be able to birth at home, technically, without a midwife. <laughs> because Mush decided that, in my baby Maddox, <laughs> decided that he was gonna come at 40 weeks and six days, right, where my birthing photographer, he came Labor Day weekend. So she was gone already out of town for the weekend. He came in like two hours. So my midwife was not here yet. My birthing tub was not filled yet. <laughs> um, babe was filling up the birthing tub when uh, me and my doula had came. I pretty much labored the whole time in the bathroom on the toilet, which was so funny because I gotta swear I was not going to do that. I've heard stories of like, it hurts more when you labor on the toilet. It comes faster when you labor on the toilet. But that ended up being my sweet spot. I was comfortable. Hypnobirthing really helped me. I was listening to my audio. I was breathing this baby down. Um, All of my stuff happened immediately. Within a two-hour time span, my whole water bag came out. Mm -hmm. So when that first happened, because in none of my childbirthing classes was that discussed, I thought it was the head when it happened. So I'm feeling it. And I'm like, this is round and soft. I think i stayed calm pretty much the whole time until i felt that and i was like my baby i'm not about to have this baby on a toilet <laughs> we were like, He's like yeah give me up i facetime my midwife like what's going on she was like show me that's your water bag you're fine i was like what are you talking about um but yeah that popped out and then um uh, right after that
1: i think that's when your pain really started so once yeah. That came out. That's when her pain really started. And I could kind of hear her laboring a lot more. Thankfully, mm-hmm. our doula had shown up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to put Lennox down. So Lennox was like starting to get crazy. It's mm-hmm. it's late. It's maybe Yeah, it started around eight o'clock. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it's time for his bed. Eight o'clock Friday night.
2: But yeah, Friday morning actually at like four a.m. was when my uh right, the pressure waves um have started to come in probably about every 30 minutes, 45 minutes to an hour, right? I had felt them maybe one time or twice a day in the weeks leading up to it. But finally I was like, oh, here's another one. Here's another one. Okay, it's been a few hours. I think we're finally here, which I was really happy about because the next day, Saturday, which would make 41 weeks, I would have had to go into the hospital um, to have a full exam and everything like that. And I did not want that. I did not want to have my baby in the hospital. I did not want to go through that. And this was like, it's cool. You won't have to. We've got to come right now. So um, things really got active. Like I called, I let my mom know at 5 a.m. She drove down from Sacramento, about a six hour drive. She made it in time. It came at like three or four in the afternoon. They got off work early. I was like, this is, you know, it's happening. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: And... Yeah, we just kind of all we just tried to get it ready. We have I wanted, I wanted like strung lights, all my candles lit. She had wrote my affirmations on a mirror. Wanted to birth in the tub. None of that happened. None of the candles were lit. The lights was on. The AC was blowing. I went from the toilet to the bed. My doula started doing a massage on my back with like the machine gun. By the time she did the second one, I was like, no. It was a totally different feeling within one minute. Yeah, And I was just like, this doesn't feel right. I got on all fours on the bed, and I started talking to my baby. Mm-hmm. And then finally, um, the head came out, and I was talking to him. Lindsay's still over there filling up the tub, not realizing, right, that I'm in full-blown labor now that this baby's coming out. And she says it wasn't until she actually heard me talking to him that she was like, what? She came
1: and she was like, okay. Here we go. It's crazy. I mean, I think everybody was just hoping it wasn't real. Because I, it was five of us in this damn room and nobody had looked to see if this baby's head was out. Only my Lynn talking to this baby was any real indication that this baby She had been talking to him, right? Like She was like, oh, my baby's coming. My baby's coming. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go fill this tub up so I run to go fill the tub up and I've heard her doula kind of having a talk and she keeps saying that this baby is coming and then Mm -hmm. she says oh my baby my baby so then I'm like she's not talking about the baby coming anymore she's now talking to a baby and like when I can hear that I I drop that thing and come over just to make sure I'm not missing anything but I am (laughs) and and so I beautiful head. Yeah, that big, beautiful head. And then, I don't know, we jump into action, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like the movies, you know, <laughs> adrenaline will do. It was. Plenty for you. Adrenaline will teach you mm-hmm. things, you know? And I did. Mm-hmm. I delivered the baby. Like, nobody was here. We just. Ah! Was, it was really just a panic. I got down there and started just talking to that baby and talking to her, and mm-hmm. he came out. Ah! It was really crazy to even see, to witness. It's, when people ask me about it, I'm like, I don't I wasn't even there, you know? Like I was it was like out of body kind of experience, just like tuned into collecting this this baby who's way slippier slipperier than it's they see. <laughs> this um what's that black tar looking set? Whatever it is, it's extremely oh that's he also yeah. shit simultaneously coming out. I think their oh, first yeah, poop yeah, is yeah. very black, black, right? Milk. The Merconium. Yes, there you go, girl. <laughs> I know some words, I know some of them. Keep coming shit, up. this this baby, I mean, he slipped out so fast that I nearly dropped him. I was so silent, like, we've got it on me. Now. You know, so slippery. I was like, I need a towel. And then I, you know, had him, and it was all this black slime. It took me a long time to realize that he came out frustrated and really gave us the shit. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, what's hilarious is that when Lennox came out, he definitely pissed on me immediately. Right down <laughs> my face and neck. And then this one shit on me really. I think it's the way they bond. They let me know, (laughs) they want me to know that you're here too. (laughs) (laughs) Because honestly, it's it's like (laughs) it's It's crazy to think. But yeah, it was an amazing experience. And so once I had him, I she she like snaps out of it and she's immediately kind of annoyed with us. Nobody believed me. I said my baby was coming. We're all just like, what the fuck? We, we, we were doing the best we can. Shit, but I was feeling this. You didn't believe, we believed you. You can hear us in the video, like, we believe, nobody believed, give me my back She's now like, give me this. It was great. We're just like, okay, you know, you can't even be mad. I can't say that people weren't mad, you know, everybody's like, where's the, d-? everybody, yeah, they yeah. want the midwife to show up. My mom know? was mad, the midwife was a- yeah, she, yeah. You know
2: they. Nervous wreck.
1: But, uh, my mother-in-law is a is a registered nurse. That's been her career for the last. She believes in science, You know, like believes in the medical system. You know, like there's a right way to do things. You mm-hmm. know, so I think it was already kind of having a pushing back birth. on her having yeah. a home birth at all. Before the midwife did not show up for me to be standing there catching the baby. You know, talk of shit. Like I'm like, you know, she's like, this is not the way. way did. Yeah, you can hear her like oh, thank you. You know, like the moment the baby cries, you can hear it. She was finally like oh. She's like, oh, thank you. Oh, baby. Oh, yeah, baby. She, she was oh, silent. Baby. I mean, you couldn't hear it. You could hear a, a squeak, you know, and then that baby made like a good, hefty cry. And she, you could finally hear her relief, so. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Mama said, it I told the- y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I told looking, y'all. She was standing, <laughs> standing in the wings like, what I say? <laughs> Didn't I tell y'all? Mm-hmm. Ooh, but she it, it must have took a lot for her to not say the words because she ain't actually say the told you so we can appreciate that we can we can gotta take our small blessings we appreciate it because i know it was hard for her to be like in the space mm-hmm. and like see. it was a crazy experience but it, it was
2: a beautiful experience and i never had no doubt i never had any fear no nope. i never did uh, yeah. and a lot of it i truly think to my hypnobirthing class because it's It was all about the mindset. And I knew I did activities with my mom at my baby shower at everything to just really make this as positive as possible. Like one of my baby shower activities was them to write affirmations for me. I did an activity with my mom of like writing down her fears fears. and then burning it. Like I do not want that energy in this space of me bringing my baby Earthside. Like we're not having that. Yeah. So, um, my mom didn't not to.
1: Yeah, I think <laughs> she, she, prepped, <laughs> she prepped everyone enough to be like, chill out.
2: Yeah. And no matter and, how this goes, it's going to go. We gonna flow. Yeah. And we're going to be just fine.
1: And her energy is real contagious. You know, Mylynn, <laughs> if she's got this energy about like, this is how it needs to be. It was hard to not. It was hard to push back. Like we all wanted to make that.
0: I know you said you were like yeah adrenaline kicked in but I mean Marilyn you, you you hit on this that because you had done the work there was no fear to be had so you all were like mm-hmm. yeah this is I need to go over and help cuz you were able to pick up on when things shifted but that was because you had created the environment where you could trust we could yeah. everybody could trust you that you knew what to do and they could follow your lead um, and that's so powerful, mm-hmm. and especially when we are incorporating um, for, for those of us who have those connections with our mothers and want them in that space, I think we sometimes forget about, like, they had their own birth with us and what may come up for them <laughs> exactly. or what their knowledge of yeah, birth yeah, is yeah. might come up and how that might show up in the space and how important it is to address mm-hmm. that before they
2: come. Yes. <laughs> that That is touched on in the hypnobirthing class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's that that past trauma that they hold within their body that absolutely can be triggered within your birth that you don't need. So all of that has to get um, addressed and dealt with before. So yeah, I asked my mom about that. I asked my mom about her mom's birth with her, how that you know went. Um, we had discussion around oh, all that,
1: of that. I love the like dichotomy just between the two completely different type of births, right? but that there is still this, you know, continuous joy, continuous understanding of what was best for each person. And how was postpartum for both of you?
2: Postpartum was great for me. Um, With um, the midwifery care, I had three at-home visits. Um, And then my fourth visit was at her office. So I literally was in bed for a nice while. <laughs> I did have the desire to get up. I had the desire to move around and stuff. And when my midwife would come and be like, so you've been laying down with your feedback," Because I did have a tear. I had to get stitches. Um, yeah. That was the most painful part.
1: Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yes, yeah. my
2: labor was great. Yeah, she, she did them needles in me to numb me. Painful. That stitching, painful. Um, Squeezed the hell out of my wife and mom's hands during that part. Mm -hmm. But I was good on my own while I breathed Maddox out. (laughs) Um, But so because of that, she really wanted me to like, and I sit with like my legs up a lot. I do like, you know, she was just like, I need you to lay legs closed. I need you to stay in bed. I need you not to do anything. We're here to help. My doula came. Um twice postpartum as well. And then Lindsay was home for like a week. She owns her own design business. So she's like she said, she was working during her <laughs> pregnancy. She went back to work right after she had gave birth. Like she's um a busy woman, boss bitch, but still <laughs> I
1: won't <laughs> deny it. No, it's just a lot of things to do, you know. But it, <laughs> but during
2: while I was pregnant, I told her I was yeah. like, I want you home yeah, with me. I, was I want she, I, it was two weeks, and she gave me two
1: weeks. It was
2: almost yeah. half days.
1: Almost two full weeks now,
2: but okay. not full weeks because even in week one, she was back at day three for a meeting or something. Okay, but yes, I will say that my postpartum was great. She stayed with me as long as she could. I did. And um, I also had my placenta encapsulated, which was a cool um, experience experience to have and stuff like that. Um, You know, pros and cons, it had been 13 years between births, so I don't know how much it affected, like, (laughs) my energy and stuff, but I didn't have any postpartum depression. Like, I felt good throughout, um, wanted to get out. I will say, though... Right, it is totally different being pregnant with a toddler, postpartum with a toddler, whereas she was pregnant. You know, and then we had a baby on her own. Yeah, and then we had a baby. We had my eldest, but he's in. He's old enough um, to help. Elementary school, old enough to be quiet when we (laughs) say. you know, old enough to go play the games. Great, yeah, (laughs) separate. Not somebody who needs you constantly, always Mm -hmm. on you stuff. So, I think that was also a a big difference between us in our pregnancies and postpartum care, um, is that I'm having to Apple.
1: deal with yeah. Apple. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And Lindsay, you had preeclampsia after. So how was working through that?
1: It was interesting, really. It was once the baby came, I mean, I feel like we had 15 minutes of like, oh, the baby, and they bathed him. And you know, hold him and then maybe someone came in and just double checked and then I think maybe right away you could kind of see everybody's kind of reactions and them starting to just check more and we, we just need to keep an eye on this or that and, um, and it was, I mean overall my care my care was fine, I think that they um, I got moved to a, a cool room like a big old suite, you know, was the only one available which I can appreciate, you know, I like nice things and I stayed in there while they um, continued to check in on me, which I thought was interesting um, until it went down. So I could tell that it was serious based on the, how everybody was responding. Uh, personally, I didn't feel any different; I didn't feel bad. I think it, what what happened for me more than anything right after my pregnancy. And I don't know where this will take this conversation, but what was bigger than my preeclampsia was that I couldn't. Uh, he wouldn't latch right away. So I think that at the simultaneously, you know, everybody is like you know, circu- circling me and trying to get these numbers and trying to make something make sense. And I'm trying to get this baby, you know, to latch. Uh, luckily. Uh, luckily. I, and gratefully. And kind of the same thing we've been talking about is really finding those avenues, like the right words in the Google search, you know, to get you in touch with the right people and the right articles. But in doing that early on, we learned that Lynn learned that she wanted to induce lactation so that she would be able to breastfeed uh, Lennox, who I was carrying. And so thankfully, we were able to do that. It's a very long process. It's not an anomaly in, like, Canada. I think white women like to do this for when they adopt brown babies and want them to latch. It's a strange thing. But that's what they're doing out there. And it's not uncommon. But over here, it was, a like you know, you can't get the pills that help. You can't it's like a very regulated thing in America, whereas over there, um, it was a little bit more commonplace. And so we found a lot of articles that talked about that um, kind of gave us the steps and put us in touch with the right things, gave us the names of the pills. And so we ordered them from Canada and she was able to order them from overseas. Oh overseas I mean from Europe. Oh okay. Yeah.
2: Cause right when COVID hit and that got blocked exactly. off, okay. I had my the
1: pills stopped coming. Oh, <laughs> so I had you. to stop. And she did it for a very long time, so it was like at maybe, I was maybe six months before you started? Yeah, Uh, yeah, I was was supposed to start earlier, yeah. So I did
2: their fast-track method. And
1: it's kind of, you know, you take birth control, and you kind of trick your body into uh, thinking that you're pregnant. There's a little bit of a process. You're pumping, yeah. You're kind of doing all of the work. And thankfully, she was able to lactate right before I had birth, and for my whole first week, Mm -hmm. that baby wouldn't latch at all to me, and luckily was able to be sustained by breast milk still, which was really, really important to me. I didn't want my baby to be on formula right away, which is just my personal thing. doesn't mean anything past that. Um, one of the few things that I felt like I could control. And so um, luckily that wasn't taken for me because she was able to still provide, produce and provide for the baby.
0: Thank you for sharing that too.
1: Um,
0: but is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners from your births, from your postpartum, because postpartum is forever around here. So where you are now with postpartum, just anything else that you want to leave.
2: Well, I say I will say that something I did experience during postpartum, which I was not prepared for, um, was the was my pelvic pain. Mm. Um, I had severe pelvic pain um, postpartum. That I would say, what he's eight months that literally just started to ease up maybe around five or six months postpartum. The pelvic pain I experienced postpartum was legit a little bit too much for me. I couldn't um, lift my legs in bed. I couldn't turn over in bed. Um, I was crying. Like Mm -hmm. I was brought to tears. Um, It was so bad. Um, Spoke to my midwife, spoke to my doctor. um, Got taken in for, I forget what it was. MRI, CT scan, something, mm-hmm. some type of um, stuff for them to see to make sure it wasn't a pelvic fracture, which I could have swore it was because I'm like, you guys, the pain I feel, it's broken. Something happened down there and it wasn't. There was no fracture. There was just like, oh, you need physical therapy. I was like, okay. So I um, was in chiropractic care postpartum for a solid three and a half months, um, going one to two times a week and um it wasn't until the latter part of that period that i got a chiropractor that actually incorporated incorporated some physical therapy exercises as well that really started to help me out um in doing these certain stretches and exercise daily morning and night um because i wasn't able to one time i tried to run after lennox we were on a walk and he shot out. I tried to run after him and almost fell with the baby, holding the baby. It was too much. I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. That absolutely was the hardest part uh, during postpartum for me. Um, but I'm glad to say that I'm good walking. I could do a little bit of running, you know? Um, and I did kind of put it on myself. I rushed myself thinking that like I was going to get back in shape and get back in the gym and you know, lose this weight, this, like, girl, if you don't sit down and mm-hmm. just, you know, rest. Mm-hmm. Um, let your body recover from delivering this baby at home in this bed and everything mm-hmm. that she went through, um, and running after a toddler after, you know, doing these things. I definitely had to give myself some grace um, and realize that, you know, no, you cannot do everything except the help.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest. That's probably the biggest lesson is to to the listening to the people, is give yourself some grace. You, if, especially if it's your first... Test, it, it doesn't really matter how many times you do this. Every single time is different from what I understand. I won't know, because I won't be doing it again. But for the people who do and consistently do it, I hear that it's, it's new every time. It's Like mercy, you know, every day. And so... I, I think it's important that we don't just assume that we can do these things. Like, right, we can train our bodies, we can train our minds, we can get, do the very best that we can do, and things can still happen. And so really being grace, full of grace for yourself and really understanding that you're, you're being, you know, your flesh. And um, we're not superheroes no matter how much. You know, people try to make it seem like black women are. We really do. We are human, and we're soft and delicate, and we re- really require and, and need and deserve to take it easy and be soft on ourselves. And we so, deserve it. Yeah, I think that that's probably the most important thing.
0: <laughs> Mic drop. That's the end. That's it. That's <laughs> Thank you for wrapping that up beautifully. <laughs> Thank you, guys. We appreciate For it. listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com.